sin. Apart from Christ, we are enslaved to it. There's absolutely nothing that we can do to thwart its advances and its demands upon our lives. Under Christ, it still has strong appeal, but as Christians, we have been set free, and that is what we're looking at next here on Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. Join us and be encouraged. From Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City, hi there, and welcome to today's broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. We continue with our series simply entitled, Just Stop It. As believers in Christ, it is something that we have been enabled to do by grace through faith in Christ. And by His strength, we can resist the evil one. We can resist sin. Paul is dealing with that here in Romans chapter 6. That's where we catch up with Steve Converse now for today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. That brings us to the second point here. Sin is a tyrant that will reign over us if we allow it to do so. Sin is a tyrant. That's why he says here in verse 12 and 13, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body. We talked about knowing these spiritual facts to be true intellectually. We talked about considering these spiritual facts to be true as an act of faith, believing them to be so. And here... He says basically that you have to present the members of your body or yield the members of your body. Know has to do with the mind. Consider has to do with the heart. Present or yield, that word has to do with, guess what, our will. (laughs) Are we willing to do this? John 13, 17 says this. The Lord says, if you know these things, blessed or happy are you if you what? Do them. If you want to be happy, if you want to be blessed in your Christian life, just know what God has told you to do and do them. It's not rocket science. You know, you don't have to go back generation after generation and say, well, my mother, you know, she was... It's it's ridiculous. Just find out what God wants you to do as a Christian and do them and you will be blessed. You will be happy. That's what that word blessed means, by the way. It means happy. So sin still has a strong appeal even to those who are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's why he says here in verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Because we have a tendency to let sin reign in our mortal body. And and that's what Paul says all the way back in Romans 7 verses 15 to 20. He says, I do not consider... I do not understand my own actions, he says in verse 15 of Romans 7. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. This isn't some spiritual lightweight, okay? This is somebody who's mature in the Lord. He says, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. He's saying the thing I hate, I hate sin, I end up doing that. In other words, what he's saying is believers still have strong feelings, strong desires, strong lusts. For sin. That's what the word lust means. It simply means desire. You know, a lot of times men, as men, we think of lust, we think of sex. That's what just direct connection there. Well, it doesn't have to be sex. You know, you could you could be drawn away by something that's good. A desire for something that's good. It doesn't have to be something evil. 
And so he's been saying here for 10 verses that sin has no power over us. That sin is not our master. That sin is not our Lord. But he doesn't say this. He never says that sin is not a force to be reckoned with. He's not saying, oh, you know, you, be, you become a <coughs> Sorry, boy. You become a Christian and all of a sudden you're, you're, you're just impervious to sin. You can walk away, you know, walk around on water and, you know, you don't deal with sin anymore. You're perfect. That's not what the Bible teaches. He never said that sin is not a force to be reckoned with. He just said, you know what? It doesn't have to be your Lord anymore. It's not our master because Christ is. And that's why he says this in verse 12 here of Romans 6. It's kind of like he's, he's telling us, you know what? Dethrone this, this monarch who's not supposed to be the monarch. Dethrone this guy who's running around giving us orders and he has no right to do so. He wants us to pull back under, from under its control. So he says, let not sin reign. You know, for the first time in your life as Christians, when sin comes knocking on your door... You can actually say, you know what, I'm not interested. <laughs> Go away, I'm not interested. I mean, you know, if, if it were not true that, that sin has some power to be reckoned with, Paul wouldn't have to give us all these warnings about it. But that union with Christ, when we become a, one with Christ, it does not eradicate the lust of the flesh. We're still a person, we're still in this body. And before we were Christians, when we were unsaved, when we were still yet in our sin, what was, who was our master? Sin was our master. Who did we serve? We served sin. And so you can kind of see it here. It's almost like you picture sin as a king and you see Jesus as a king. And it's like, all right, who has the right over you? Well, if you're a Christian, Christ has the right over you. The Bible says before we were Christians, we were slaves to sin. That's a strong word. We were its slaves. We couldn't help ourselves but sin. And that means even the best of the best, even the good moral people in this world without Christ, they're still slaves to sin. Sin was our sovereign power, you might put it. If you look over at verse 17, down a little further in Romans 6, He says just that. Once we were slaves to sin. He calls us that. I'm not making this up. It says it right there in the Bible. So what does he mean when he says, let not sin therefore reign? Okay. What he's saying is that sin has no dominion to reign. Um, It's an exhortation. And so he's telling us, you know what? Because sin doesn't have the dominion to reign in your life. Stop acting like it does. That's what he's saying. He's saying quit treating sin like some big powerful thing in your life that you have to obey. And use an excuse to carry out your own desires. Its power is broken. Don't let it act. Don't let sin act like it still has that power in your life. You know, when I was down in the Coachella Valley in between churches, I worked for the DA's office and got to see a lot of things. And one thing that I saw was down in the Coachella Valley, there are a lot of Indian reservations. And on the Indian reservations, they have casinos, right? I mean, that's how they kind of generate some money for themselves, and that's fine. 
And on these Indian reservations, because they have all these casinos, they have to provide security because they're kind of, by federal law, they're operating as a sovereign nation onto themselves. Um, And so we had to deal with the, the Cabazon Band of Mission Indians at the DA's office. And this band of Mission Indians, basically what they did was they actually had their own police force. And uh, they had these police men overseeing the security of the casinos and the, the reservations and whatnot. They had marked police cars with an emblem that looked like a police thing with a badge. It said Cabazon Indian Police Force on the side of the car. The car had lights on it, had a light bar on the top. They had sirens. These police officers carried guns. They wore official uniforms with badges that stated that they are the tribal police officers. Well, unfortunately, these policemen got in trouble. The problem was is that they, if you know anything about Indio, I-10 goes right by Indio, and there's a lot of casinos right there. So one of these Indian security guards, we used to call them security guards because they aren't really sworn officers, as far as the state is concerned, but they look like them. They look like a regular policeman. What they would do is they'd go out and they'd go on I-10. And they'd just start pulling people over randomly with their lights and their sirens. And, hey, if you're driving down the freeway and you see, what are you going to do? If you're a law-abiding, you're going to pull over, right? And they'd come up and say, hey, you're going too fast, you're going 80. And, well, I don't think, I, well, you know, we have it on radar. They didn't even have radar guns, but they were saying all this stuff. And he's got a badge, he's got a gun. You're thinking, okay, Right? We're going to write you this ticket, and you can mail this in. You know, it's $250 fine, whatever. Oh, okay, sorry, officer. Okay, fine, you're free to go. Go ahead. They were doing this, like, off the hook. They're making lots of money doing this. Well, eventually, there was a lawsuit that was brought against the Indians by the California Highway Patrol and the state saying, you don't have the right to do what you're doing. And actually went to court. And the outcome of that whole court case, the result was that the Indian police officers, the judge ruled that when you leave your reservation or you leave your casino property, if you have a car with lights on it, you have to put them in the trunk. If you have a siren, you have to physically disable the siren. If you're carrying a gun, it has to go in the trunk because you're not allowed to carry a gun if you're not a police officer, just around without any kind of permit. And they were just all upset about this, but they were using their authority wrongly. And innocent bystanders were paying millions of dollars to the Indian reservation because they thought they got a ticket from somebody that had the authority to give it to them. That's the same thing when we come to sin in the life of a believer. It doesn't have jurisdiction. It has no authority. It has no dominion. If sin is no longer in authority, it's no longer the monarch over us, then why don't we act like that? Why don't we treat it that way? You know, and even after this whole lawsuit happened, you know, there was uh, people that finally got up the, the guts when they got pulled over by the tribal police because it was in the news and everything. They said, wait a minute, we know what's going on. You don't have the authority. And they just drive away and there's nothing they can do. See, this is what, what, what we have to believe about being dead to sin. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says this. You, know, you want to know what you are as a Christian? It says you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. 
That's what a Christian is. And it goes on there and it says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of what? Darkness into his marvelous light. And he says, once you were not a people. Verse 10, 1 Peter 2. But now you are God's people. Amen? I mean, you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's what a Christian is. It's a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people (coughs) of his own, called to show forth praises, taken out of darkness into light, now the people of God, now the recipients of mercy. He tells them all that, and then he says this in verse 11 of 1 Peter 2. He says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. In other words, you're in a place you don't belong. We don't belong in this world as Christians. We're just passing through, as the song says. He says, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which which wage war against your soul. I mean, he wants them to understand who they are in Christ. That you don't have to give in to sin's desires. You have to understand that sin's goal is not to assist you in your program for happiness and success. All right, sin doesn't come alongside of you in your life and say, oh, I just want to make you successful and, and happy. No. He tries. Satan tries. He tried from the beginning. Come on, just eat that fruit. Doesn't it look good? It must be good, because why would God tell you not to eat it? You know what? If you eat that fruit, you'll probably be like God. So go, go ahead. Go ahead. Do it. Well, I've always wanted to kind of be like God. That sounds pretty good. It's a personal, pretty good goal to have. And be like God. And so Satan always presents sin as if it's a good thing. But Paul tells us sin is as evil, horrible tyrant that will reign over you and eventually will lead to death if you let it. I mean, it's kind of like having a, you know, a little bit of a disease or a little bit of this or a little bit of that. You can't really go there. You know, you have to take care of it. You have to take medication to eradicate it. As Christians, we can't tolerate just a little bit of sin, thinking that hopefully, well, you know, it's just this little bit. Nobody knows about it. It's over here in the dark, dark corner of my heart, and it's okay. I mean, I'm under God's grace, right? I mean, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin and let grace abound? Oh, yeah, go ahead. After all, the pastor just said, if you sin, you're not going to lose your salvation. So what would hurt? But we have to understand that sin seeks to dominate us. And he does so through our bodies. Sin dominates us through our body. That's why he says here, do not let sin reign where? In your mortal body. That's what he says. What's it mean? The mortal body is, is the corrupt body. This body is corrupt. I mean, when you go to heaven, are you going to have this body? No, you're not. You're going to have a glorified body. You're going to have a a body like Christ had when he came out of the grave. This body is earthly. It's cursed. It's, 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 It's failing. That's why when you get up in the morning, you get aches and pain. You got all this stuff going on, you know, the older you get. The older you get, you can't even remember what you're doing sometimes. 
playing worship earlier. I mean, we were playing some song, and I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing. What song? I, I was lost. I'm thinking, what is wrong with me? Man, this is scary. That's what happens. See, and, and so the mortal body, it's the physical body. That's where sin seeks to rule. Now listen to this. Before you were saved, sin reigned not only in your body, but it reigned in your soul. Before you were saved, sin not only reigned in your body, but it reigned in your soul as well. And so when you got saved, when you became a new creation in Christ, what happened? The old you, the old soul died. And it died and it was buried and not to be dealt with anymore. And a new you was created in Christ. And that new creation is the soul. Well, where can sin reign? Not in your soul. It can reign in your body. That's the only thing you got left. The old man is dead. And we have a new soul. So the only opportunity, you might think of it this way, that sin has to approach us, the only place is in our body, physically. In our mortal body. In our flesh, in our humanness, you might say. The word mortal simply means transitory, subject to death, longing to this world, belonging to this world. Well, when we get saved, we're called new creations. We're new creatures in Christ. But sin is still left here to deal with this body. So what's the answer? The answer is, if you could somehow shed your body, (laughs) you'd be sinless. Literally. You would walk in perfect holiness. I mean, that's what the Bible teaches. Look at Romans chapter 8. Just a couple pages there to the right. (laughs) He tells us, Paul says, he says, The creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. If we just get rid of this body, he goes on in verse 22, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. Just like Paul in Romans, when he's going, Oh, wretched man that I am, why do I do these things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I should be doing? He says in verse 23, And not only the creation is groaning, because the creation has been cursed as well, but we ourselves, he says in verse 23, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons and what? The redemption, what's it say? Of our bodies. Our mortal bodies. That's what we're waiting for. I mean, when you get your redeemed body, when you get your glorified body, sin ain't going to be able to touch you. Not at all. And you'll be in a place where you don't have even have to deal with sin. <laughs> I mean, Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 says, Our citizenship is in heaven. Well, what part of us is in heaven? Is our body in heaven? No, our soul is. Our soul is. We are heavenly citizens. That's why the Bible says, don't mess around with stuff here on the world. It's not worth it. You're not even a citizen there. You're just passing through. all the Everything you see, everything that looks attractive, it's all going to fall away. We're new creations in Christ. We're heavenly creatures. We're partakers of that divine nature. 
We're indwelt with the spirit of the living God. So he says, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, Philippians 3 says this, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. That's what we're waiting for. We're waiting for that final transformation. We're waiting for the time when we leave this earth, either by death or the Lord coming back, and we're, boom, out of here, and we have a glorified body. What a wonderful thing. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50. I think Bob maybe read this on Easter Sunday, or somebody read it a couple Sundays ago. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul says this, I tell you this, brothers... This is, this is so important to understand this. He says in verse 50, Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Flesh and blood, hear me, cannot inherit, inherit the kingdom of God. What's that mean? This body ain't going there. That's what that means. You're going to leave it behind. That's why at a funeral, you go to the, the, the graveside, the body's in the casket. You know, I've never been to a funeral and somebody said, Where's he at? No, the body's there. Right? I mean, physically, the body is there. It's in the, it's in the casket. It's going in the earth. And it's, it's important for us to understand that. It's Christ who will transform this body. And so he says, the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Now, you may be looking at your body going, well, this, this body's pretty good. You know, I take good shape of this body and I'm proud of this body. That's fine, but it's not going with you. <laughs> Do all you want. But you're not going to get to heaven with it. And he says at the end of verse 50 there, why? Because nor does perishable inherit imperishable. How are you going to get in? If this body's not going to heaven, how are we going to get there? Look at what Paul says. Hey, I got a mystery. I want to tell you something secret. Top secret. He says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In other words, sometimes, I mean, the Lord can come back right now. If we're alive, we're not going to die. We're just going to be transformed. But the Lord may not come back for another 20, 30, 50, 100 years. We don't know when the Lord's coming back. So if that's the case, we're all going to die. But he says, we're not going to sleep. We're all going to be changed. In other words, when we die, we don't just go to the grave and just lay there. That's it. No, we're going to be changed. And he says this, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. That's not a blink. That's a twinkle. That means... The amount of time that light refracts off the pupil. I mean, it's milli, 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 milliseconds. At the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, it says, and the dead will be raised. How imperishable. And we shall be changed. Now, when those people come out of their graves, they're not going to have mortal bodies. They're going to have glorified bodies. They're not going to have corruptible bodies. They wouldn't be able to go to heaven if they were corruptible. They're going to have immortal, incorruptible bodies. In verse 53, it says, For this perishable body must put on imperishable, and this mortal body must also put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. Look at what it says. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. 
It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. Gracefultruth.org is where to go. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.